and welcome to the Zenial Dome's Little Dome. My name is Gareth Quinn. And I'm Mrs. Sears. And in these podcasts, we look at this month in Zenial history, and it's the last of the October ones that we're doing. There's a couple of Octobers that are famous Octobers. Oh, okay. 1987, you've got, you've got some biggies. You've got okay. big things happening. So the first one is Black Monday, which I, I might come to later. Right. Um, but... Uh, 1987, 15th, 16th of October was the Great Storm of 1987, which is the famous one where Michael Fish got it wrong. Are you sure it's October? Yeah, yeah, October 1987. Why? When did you think it was? I thought it was November. It was one of my three ones (laughs) (laughs) for November. Oh. They might have still been clearing it up. Possibly. highest measured gust was in france which okay. was 135 miles an hour um the highest measured in britain was 120 miles an hour but i think that is a technicality because the machinery stopped working oh wow okay so i think it was over 120 miles an hour okay um, and these days it is most famous for michael fish who has spent the last 30 years coming up with excuses as to why he got it wrong and i i have ended up reading every interview with michael fish now the best excuse yeah to be fair to him is that their computers were rubbish also and i think this doesn't get mentioned enough the Mm. one that they always replay is the one from the one o'clock news so the actual storm was still quite a bit away because it was that night so it's not like he was saying it as it was coming in Mm. he said Earlier on today, apparently, a woman rang the BBC and said she heard there was a hurricane on the way. Well, if you're watching, don't worry, there isn't. But having said that, actually, the weather will become very windy. And then Mm. talks for a bit. But one excuse I read was that apparently his comments referred to Florida and were linked to a news story immediately preceding the weather bulletin. But it's been repeated out of context. Right. But what Michael Fish hasn't realised... Is that I've got a login for the BBC archive. <laughs> <laughs> so, yesterday I was like, I'm going to watch the one o'clock news. <laughs> I love the dedication to this. So, yesterday I sat down and watched the one o'clock news for the 15th of October oh just to see what was in it. <gasps> I watched about the sort of like five or six minutes leading up to him. Yeah. Um, I watched Frank Bruno preparing for a fight with a guy called Joe Bugner. Okay. Who who turned up to like the pre-match? You know where they have that bit of chat in before a match mm-hmm. where they all like slag each other off. He turned up dressed as a cowboy, <laughs> <laughs> and Frank Bruno couldn't look less impressed if he tried. Like I actually quite quickly went, "No, nah, this is more interesting than the story." <laughs> they have this press conference in White Hart Lane, and I've never seen Frank Bruno looks like he does not want to be there. If it's that guy's like, "Hey, I'm a cowboy." <laughs> So I don't know what that was. Then Michael Hurd is visiting a police station in Brixton. Okay. And then Michael Fish comes on with the weather. So I'm sorry, Michael, but your oh, Florida so was, story... So that was a lie then? There was so nothing? That, that, just, that just doesn't hold water Ooh. as far as... Unless I need to wind back further back in the one o'clock news. But I already feel like I've spent a lot of time watching the one o'clock news 
from well, an event a yeah. long time ago. And also, yeah, because if you're doing a callback for something, you don't want it to go back that far. I watched a piece about whether ambulances were fit for purpose. <laughs> oh, and I'll be honest, the ambulances we were driving around in 1987 looked like they were from a 1950s film. So right, okay. I, I, I was like, no, I'm with you guys on this. These don't look right at all. Um, I got it- really in- Involved in 1987 news yesterday. Was Neighbours on after? I should have. St- I should have just carried yeah, on watching. You could have seen uh, a classic episode of Neighbours. Seen a classic. <laughs> While the storm was coming in. Yeah. <laughs> I should also. There's a whole bit about how a few years ago Michael Fish said that the story about there was a woman who called the BBC. Yeah. He admitted no woman called the BBC. And that someone in the office said, oh, my mum is going to Florida next week. She's wondering if there's a storm. And he went, although someone called the BBC would be a fun way to start my weather broadcast. So no woman ever phoned the BBC. It was someone saying something on behalf of their mum. However, and I love this, he has spent the last 30 odd years with people coming up to him saying, hello, I am the woman who called the BBC. No. Yeah. He said loads of people come up to him and claim to be the woman who called the BBC. And he's like, I made it up. It didn't happen. But if it, it just feels like now everything about this is fake. There's quite a lot of interesting stuff about how, because it was 1987, mm. first of all, he wasn't a BBC employee. He was a Met Office employee. Oh, okay. And they had a thing about you don't speak to the press because you are a civil servant. Yeah. So he wasn't allowed to speak to the press. The second thing was is that the Met Office didn't have a press office that worked weekends. Right. So when the storm hit and people started to go, oh, the, the Met Office didn't warn us properly, that took hold as a news story over the weekend. And no one from the Met oh. Office could respond because they were civil servants and not the BBC. So Michael Fish puts down the reason that like that news bulletin became a big deal and that he mm. got the blame is all to do with the fact that they weren't able to go no we did say and you're yeah. talking about the one o'clock news and there wasn't a woman and there's a whole thing about florida and frank bruno's <laughs> having like this <laughs> argument with a cowboy but it's like okay so could you like technically could you sue him i i, I think the weather forecast is what the weather forecast is also i have watched the whole thing and he is like it's gonna be windy what he didn't say was biggest storm in 200 years so i feel yeah. like there are gradients of so it's not like it's not like a, a written contract it's not like um i guess because if you if you falsely advertise something yeah there's there's a case yeah, There's a but legal I, case I, I, for that. I don't think Michael Fish was sort of sitting there going, oh, I've, I've got shares in big sun cream. I'm going to... <laughs> <laughs> they don't have an ulterior motive other than they just want to get the weather right. It's not like you can yeah. blame... He's not, he wasn't sitting there going like, do you know what? I'll re- I'm going to prank the British <laughs> Michael Fish's big, big pranks. He's seen Jeremy Beadle over on ITV having a whale of a time and gone... <laughs> I'm going to tell them it's going to be absolutely fine. I I wonder though how much how much he's gotten out of that, like how much mileage he's got from it. I think he is thoroughly fed up of talking about it. Really? I, I, okay. I've watched, I've watched quite a few interviews with him over the last day okay. of him kind of going, ah, oh, this again, right? <laughs> I was trying to think of what the equivalent would be of like. Um, so if I did a really bad joke or something in a gig, like if it, if it was just a joke that didn't work yeah. well, 
but people would keep referring to it for the next oh, 50 yeah. years. I'm just trying to think of the equivalent. Yeah, it would get quite boring, wouldn't it? It's like being a one-hit wonder. And yeah. I think people are always like, tell us about the storm. And he's like, I actually got the weather right most days, to be fair to me. Like, I, I was pretty good. I am, I am a good weatherman. I really like him. I've got to be honest, all the things I've read about him over the last... I'm like, oh, I, I think you're, you seem quite nice. It's really sad because I'm on his Wikipedia page now. And yeah, like you said about like him being fed up of it, like the hurricane controversy is like the main oh, thing on and there. We're, and we're massively adding to it here. So, so Michael Fish, we're done with you now. You can go okay. and we, we, we respect the rest <laughs> of your weather reporting career. The other fact I knew about the storm is that six of the Seven Oaks in the town of Seven Oaks were blown down. Where's Seven Oaks? Seven Oaks is in Kent. Okay, I have heard of it. Why have I heard of it? Well, because there are Seven Oaks, or there were Seven Oaks. No, that's not why I've heard of it. There are Seven Oaks in Seven Oaks. There was a storm. Six of the Oaks fell down. Okay. And I was like, dearie me, what a terrible thing for the town of Seven Oaks. Sure. But six of their Oaks. Maths. I, w- I wonder how long those Oaks had been standing there. Those Oaks were planted in 1902. That's not long enough. No. No. They were planted to commemorate the coronation of King Edward VII and were planted because the town was already called Seven Oaks and they went, wouldn't it be nice if there were Seven Oaks here? Why was it called Seven Oaks then? It was It was named after a man whose surname was Seven Oaks. <laughs> I know. Okay, hang on. I, I can't explain how much this annoyed me when I read it. It was it was founded by a man called William Sevenoaks in 1432. If he had planted Sevenoaks there, we'd we, we'd be fine. And I think there have been different occasions in history where they've gone. We should put Sevenoaks here, including after the storm. Gloria Honeyford went down and planted Sevenoaks. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, so this this seven oaks there still now. There are of now Gloria seven. Or Gloria Hannaford and Karen Keating, um, although because they're locals, mm. although they were then subsequently vandalised. What I'm learning is the town of Seven Oaks can't hang on to Seven <laughs> Oaks. If we if we're putting any weight on an oak, for me it needs to have existed like when King Arthur was around that's kind of that's the benchmark for me like King Arthur needs to have at least slept against or pissed up against <laughs> said oak yeah <laughs> you or, know it's seen some shit or Kevin Cosner has filmed at least one scene next to it <laughs> these are yes. like this is the minimum I want from a tree yes I want yeah. that oak to have been touched by a friend of Merlin <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, or that or... a famous dog has been buried <laughs> next to it. Or a famous dog. <laughs> um, the other odd thing is that then the following Monday was Black Monday, right. which is where the stock market crashed. Yeah, hang on, was there a link? Well, this is the thing. It was very much a global thing, mm. and the weather event was a UK and France event. Yeah. However... They think that the disruption meant that on the Friday beforehand, loads of city traders didn't go into work. Oh. So they just didn't really see it coming. And apparently, city traders and investors spent the weekend of the 17th and 18th of October repairing damaged gardens in between trying to guess market reaction and assessing the damage. (laughs) 
so the global economy is on like a, a knife edge and they go like yeah but I've got someone else's tree in my garden. <laughs> also, I don't think that's true. From the the financial people I know from my time working in London, I don't think they'd be that bothered about their gardens. And, like, they'd have a gardener. So I, I just, I don't think that would be in the forefront of their mind. You think they'd be like, this is, the, I, I am worrying about the economy. Please deal with this. Bye bye, sell, sell, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Their main discussion will be does this mean we buy more shares in timber or less shares in timber? (laughs) But it feels like that is something that will just always happen. Because it feels like that's every well most recessions or like we we talk a lot about the two thousand eight recession. It feels again that was similar. So and it I will happen again. It, it'll happen. <laughs> and, that, and that's a Michael Fish guarantee. <laughs> um, here's the sort of thing I'd have been interested in as a kid. While I was at Mum's house the other day, I found a scrapbook of when I was a kid. Mm. And in it, it's just things I've stuck in a book that must have interested me as a child. So there are photos of mum and dad and my brother and things like that. And then the occasional article about the meteor that killed the dinosaurs and whether there's another one coming. (laughs) So it's the strangest... (laughs) It's like, family photo, family photo, family photo. Could this happen again? That that on a loop in your head. Key key dinosaur <laughs> age, I think. Yeah. Um, no, that's yeah. true. Oh, actually, no. I will tell you what. The other giveaway is there's a lot of stuff about the Garden Festival of Wales in there, which, as people will know, is still still an event I'm very interested in. Did it Did it have any Did it give any idea of a timeline about the restructuring of Evervale or the destruction <laughs> of the planet? <laughs> I mean, tomato, tomato, right? <laughs> Um, but th- that has only come to mind now because of what the next story is. Okay. 1987, October. The search ended oh, for the no. Loch Ness Monster. <gasps> Was there like an official declaration about it? They went, do you know what, guys? We've spent a lot of money on this now. It's not there. Okay, who said it had ended? A man called Adrian Shine. Okay. He was the project leader. He's been looking for Nessie for years. Um, so the situation was, it was called Operation Deep Scan. It says they used a million pounds worth of equipment to scan the lake. Okay. And they used a flotilla of 24 boats to scan it. Okay. And they, I don't think, it says here they spent a week on the lake. So they're they making out that they spent an awfully long time. Anyway. A week isn't enough time for a conclusive study, surely. Well. It's the thing. It could still be out there. Um, what, do you, what do you think? Do you think there's one? I don't think there's one. I, but okay. it, again, it did make me slightly dig around. And it turns out that it's there have been rumours of things for years. Mm. But apparently 1933 was the big year where everyone went, there's something in there. Okay. There were, there were some big sightings. My favourite one were a couple called um, a Mr. and Mrs. Spicer who said that they saw a monster, which they said was 40 foot long, crossing the road. (laughs) (laughs) But the bit that I like is that um, he said, although I accelerated quickly towards it, it had disappeared into the lock by the time I reached the spot. But I like that he saw it, he was like, get faster towards that. (laughs) 
especially as a child, like I always want these things to be true. Yeah, yeah, of course. But then I don't know. I wouldn't want it to be able to walk outside of the water. I am not a cryptozoologist. I'm not massively into these things. I've always thought that the Loch Ness Monster is very, very Loch Ness based. Yes. And the idea that we've now seen it crossing the road really changes the story for me. <laughs> the idea that it's it's nipping out yeah. and then going back no. feels like a very different thing to what I thought we were dealing yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. In July 2003, the BBC carried out an even more extensive search. Oh, so it's not over for them. <laughs> Do you know what we should spend our license money on? And then TV shows that started in October 1987. Do you remember Around the World with Willie Fogg? No. Where he where he was a lion. Who's Willie Fogg? <laughs> so it was Around the World in 80 Days. They yes. did a cartoon of it. Right. And it was a bit of a sequel to Dog Tanyon, where they'd gone, oh, that's an old story that we've done as cartoon characters. Okay. So the same company, who are a Spanish company but use Japanese animators, did Around the World in 80 Days. And it was called Around the World with Willy Fogg. Because for some reason they decided Phileas Fogg wasn't on, so they called him Willy Fogg for kids. I don't know why that decision was made. I'm I'm looking this up now to see if I... Oh, and he's a lion. And he's a lion. And all the goodies are cats and all the baddies are dogs. Oh, that's the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you watch it? I did. I got... Because I'd have been probably the right age for this. If I'd have been uh, 83, 87, yeah, four. Um, I was exactly the right age for Around the World with Willie Fogg. I was a big fan. Yeah, because I, I was six and I, I wasn't allowed to watch any English TV. So, <laughs> so this would have... No. Could you claim this is Spanish from a Japanese animator? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, talking of international TV programs, this was this was the other one I wanted to mention. Um, in October 1987, the series started Wurzel Gummidge Down Under, <laughs> which <laughs> okay, because I was going to get really excited then because I used to love Wurzel Gummidge. So it is Wurzel Gummidge, and it is John Pertwee as Wurzel Gummidge. And uh, was it Una Stubbs? Yes. Oh, yeah. As and Sally. Yeah. So that had been a mega hit in Britain. Had gone down really well. They decided to do a spin-off series called Wurzel Gummidge in Ireland. Right. They wrote Wurzel Gummidge in Ireland. Mm. That series was abandoned. So they went Ugh. New Zealand, and New Zealand <laughs> were like, yeah. So they just. They just changed it and put him in New Zealand instead. So I just wonder what was yeah. what made it Irish. Well, whatever made it Irish also made it New Zealand. <laughs> so I think it just needs to be on a green scenery. Are we good? So it must have been a hit in New Zealand. So they went, yeah, we'll go over there. So the plot is Aunt Sally gets sold to New Zealand, and Wurzel Gummidge stows away to go with her. Oh, and then they, and then they have adventures. In okay. New Zealand, when when the words down under are used, I think Australia and me, yeah, definitely, yeah. So it's like down under and then round the corner a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take me a week to process this. There's a lot there. There's an mm. awful lot there. The yeah. hurricane, Seven Oaks, 
uh, Gloria Hunniford, <laughs> Frank Bruno. It's but again, but it feels like a really nice snapshot. It does of actually. what was going on at that time, like like the money stuff, the economy. I, 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 I didn't mind this. Like it's, it's been a lot for my mind to process, but I've, I've enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can. Uh, you can email us on thezenialdome at hotmail.com. Send us a tweet to the Zenial Dome or Instagram Zenial Dome. Um, we'll be back next week with something about November, won't we? Yeah, I'm doing November. Do you know what year you're doing? I was actually going to do um, 1987. Oh, were you? Oh, that's fine. We can do that. But I, I might still do it because it'll be the first time we'll do two consecutive months. That's good because this is the closest thing we've ever ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. We'll see you next week for November 1987. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.